Welcome to the Westside Investors Network, WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. And now your hosts, AJ and Chris Shepard. Well, today, welcome to the Win Podcast. I have my co-host and brother, Chris Shepard. Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm sure I could tell you some stories uh, about yourself, but I think the listeners may want to hear from you. Oh, finally, I get to talk. <laughs> finally. Okay. All right. Introduce myself. Well, I really think it all started out in Tucson, Arizona. Dad moved us down to Tucson when AJ and I, I think AJ was two, I was one, really early. He just hated the rain, and that totally made sense. Yeah, just sad. Seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> Indeed. So one of the things that allowed my dad to do that was that he didn't have a boss, and that is something that I always admired and always wanted for myself as well. It's just that freedom. So we were just so lucky to have him as a role model and learning all of the, the things that he taught us, how to live on a budget and be frugal and save money and invest it. And so that was probably one of the most important things that we have taught and put into action. Growing up down in Tucson, went to high school there, but we'd come back to Oregon every summer. And so feel like we've got roots both down in Arizona and down in Oregon. Absolutely. All, up of our, in Oregon. all of our families mostly up in the Northwest. So eventually I came back in 2009, but before that I went to the University of Arizona and really, I guess I majored in finance, but what I actually really majored in was ultimate Frisbee and poker. Yeah. And wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on one sec. Let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into this. Did I hear you say poker? Yes. Yes. I was a professional poker player. I played online poker. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who, who taught you how to play poker? <laughs> I actually learned at the Zeta Psi fraternity. Well, before that, I actually learned to play with my ultimate Frisbee buddies. Yeah. But I think that AJ... And his buddies actually got me hooked one summer when I was 16 or 17. And they had just, you know, started playing poker at their frat house. So my Frisbee buddies and I, we started a game, I think, Thursday or Friday night after we threw disc at Udell Park in Tucson. But the first time that we ever played, and, you know, I'm super competitive, and we were playing five card draw and I lost all $25 that I had Oof, that night man. and I was devastated. So I went to the library and I picked up five books on poker and read them all in less than a week. And I came back and I tripled the $25 that I brought that night and how, how much did you spend? never looked back. How much do you think you spent on poker books though? <laughs> I think I probably spent a couple thousand dollars on poker books. <laughs> Actually, no, it was probably more like ten or fifteen thousand dollars just on poker training as yeah. well. And you know, over the course of my poker career from 2002 up until about 2012. But yeah, the height of my poker career probably was when I was studying abroad in Denmark, 
in 2007, like right before the crash, money was just flowing into the internet gambling you, sites. You were still going to college then, right? Well, I was studying abroad yeah. in Denmark. And I came to visit for Thanksgiving. I remember that. Yep. That was excellent. You know, Chris Moneymaker, it just won the World Series of Poker and it was a huge boom. So yeah. after poker was all said and done. Well, tell, tell us a little bit more about Frisbee. <laughs> ah, Frisbee. Uh, you got some accolades in that, don't you? Oh my goodness. Well, our college team, the University of Arizona Sunburn, after five years, finally made it to the national championship for the first time. I was co-captain of the team that year, Wait, which is so pretty exciting. That, does that mean that you redshirted your freshman year? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Frisbee, you get five years of eligibility. Oh, so okay. All of my high school Frisbee teammates, we all went to the University of Arizona together, and we all planned on staying five years. A couple of the guys were smart, and they're like, oh, we're going to do the one-year master's program. And, you know, be graduate players. But no, I just coasted through really focusing on poker as my major. So I did graduate business school with a degree in finance. And really, I got into real estate while I was in college. I had won a tiny bit of money playing poker. And as well, I had worked hard in high school. So I got a scholarship. And AJ made the silly decision to go to the University of Washington. Absolutely. So silly. What a waste of money. Just uh. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no reason to go there. Like clearly turned down the academic scholarship to the University of Arizona. And I ended up taking it along with our parents said that they would help me with a loan to purchase a piece of property down in Tucson. So that was my first real estate experience was buying the college house that I lived in. And I house hacked that. I didn't know it was house hacking at the time, but I just had some of my Frisbee buddies come in and live with me and help me pay the mortgage. It was fantastic. And eventually after college, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do. I was still playing poker and We're kind of traveling the country a little bit, just hanging out with all our Frisbee friends from the national championship. And I think on the train from Denver to Chicago, five of my best friends and I decided that it would be an amazing idea to go live in New Zealand for a year. So I packed up as much stuff as I could in a backpack and went to New Zealand and those are exciting times. You continue playing poker over there, right? Yes. But and you get a, like a one-year holiday visa? Oh yeah, yeah, working visa. You working. can work working holiday. Working holiday. I did not work too hard in New Zealand though. And let me guess, you joined the frisbee team over there. <laughs> we may have started a little frisbee team and won the national championship of New Zealand in frisbee. Yeah, those were good times. Yeah. Isn't there like a world championship too? Yes, as well. After winning the national championship, we got invited to play in the world championships in Prague. Where we had a couple friends who were from Czech Republic that we met in Denmark. So just awesome times knowing people from both Denmark and from New Zealand. Now, and, and whose team did you play for? The Kiwis. <laughs> you played for the Kiwis. <laughs> the, the New Zealand team. <laughs> They'll do, any, they'll do anything to win, won't they? It was good times. Well, that sounds was, like a blast. 
Yep, I was a Kiwi for a week. <laughs> and while you were in New Zealand, you, didn't you buy a, another house in Tucson? Yes. So when we first moved to Tucson, we moved to East Cooper Street. And I got word from a buddy that, well, actually, I think my dad got word from our friends, our best friend who lived on the corner that they were moving and were selling their house. And dad was like, son, there's a great opportunity for you to buy a house off market, you know, and it's on the corner. We know the area. It's going to be great. And so, you know, we ended up getting it closed from New Zealand. Dad was pretty instrumental on that. Yep. Unfortunately, I didn't know a ton about real estate at that moment in time. And the market tanked pretty promptly after buying that property. So I think we bought that for 180,000 in 2008. And then I ended up selling it in 2017 for 225,000 after I probably invested $30,000 into it, kind of remodeling. I painted cabinets, but I put in new countertops and it just needed a ton of work after being rented for 10 years. So, and then I still own my first house down in Tucson. Nice. So, Eventually, after New Zealand, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And yeah. so I came back to Tucson for a couple of weeks, kind of closed up some affairs down there. And then I decided that it was time to head to Portland, Oregon. That's where AJ was living. Yep, yep. And I always, the one thing that kind of drew me there is we, we always played sports together when yeah. we were younger. And I just remembered that awesome, like, feeling of teamwork. We're on the same team, you know, working towards the same goal. And so I moved in to AJ's one bedroom apartment for about three weeks. (laughs) That was as long as that lasted. I mean, I think I was gone. (laughs) I was traveling for work at the time too. I mean, I think there was a little bit of overlap, wasn't there? But yeah. Yep. Sleeping on that tiny love seat. It it wasn't even a couch. (laughs) (laughs) Sleeping on the floor is probably better than that couch. Anyway, so yeah, and then we ended up partnering up on that first deal on Southwest 64th. Yep. And we did our first value add project. And when we saw that first value add project and just... So this was like 2007? 2009. 2008. 2009. 2009. So kind of like just as the crash was happening. Yeah. And we, we had identified, I think you know, an area where there were a ton of bank owned properties yeah. and we were getting these properties extremely cheap. And, you know, that was good because we didn't have much money. <laughs> <laughs> and so we ended up buying the first one in cash and then doing a value add and then refinancing all of our cash out. And we did that for about 11 properties from 2009 to 2011. And like just created a ton of equity and a ton of value by really working hard on, you know, creating income through doing rehab projects. So we figured out like that was, that was kind of our initial strategy. And then, you know, as AJ mentioned in his video, we decided to go pro in 2011. We were already doing a little bit of considering doing property management a little bit at that time. And so we picked up a few clients and yeah, it wasn't really until about 2014 that things really started to change for us. 
we didn't have very much like experience with running a business and you know the idea of having a full-time employee it, it was just so foreign to us it really took a lot of learning to fully understand you know how to create a system and how to delegate a process yeah. in 2014 i joined IRAM, the Institute of Real Estate Management, yep. and made it through the IRAM courses. That was a huge eye-opening, like learning, just doing that education. You know, I applied for all the scholarships because our new business was not paying me a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> AJ decided to go through the NARPM track, and yep. AJ is still going strong on that NARPM track right Very now. Much so he actually is a regional vice president and on the national board, which is pretty awesome. As well, in 2014, I joined Entrepreneurs Organization. Yeah, EO has been very big. And that has really, it's just been uh, huge. I picked up the book Traction in 2014 for the first time. And that really, really changed just the way that we handled our business and just setting up regular meetings where we're all getting on the same page was huge. And also in 2014, I started setting these huge, crazy goals. <laughs> I think... Big, uh, big ideas, right? <laughs> I think, you know, AJ might get exhausted by all of my crazy ideas with no idea how I was going to follow through on it. But I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we did this? It's, it, it would always be great. That's the question. I'm like, is how, how do we get from here to there? The out, this outcome would be incredible. I, yeah. I remember a bigger pockets post and I posted, you know, I want to buy 400 units yep. in the next 12 months. And I think, we kind of started that like, you know, early 2014, we just bought our first fourplex and we're like, oh my gosh, you know, the value add opportunities, like the cash flow that we're creating. And that was, you know, on Southwest Longhorn. That was a great project. It really was. The property was almost falling down and we found like, and that, that was probably our first like full-time handyman when Scott came on. Yep. He has taught us so much about construction and carpentry, and he's a really skilled worker, and we're lucky to have him. But he probably spent, you know, nine or 10 months at that property as we were trying to figure out what to do with the tenants because the property was in such bad condition. And so eventually we let everyone know that the property is in such bad condition. We've got to do a full remodel on everything. And then we completed it and we're able to almost double the rents. Yeah. But yeah, that was the year I made that bigger pockets post that we were going to buy 400 units in one year. And I think we ended up buying 25 units that year, but that doubled our portfolio. So what, was the, what was the other project that year that happened? We ended up purchasing 14 houses on the same street. Yeah. And from a property management client, off-market deal with owner financing. It was just a complete, total dream. Yeah. That's a good example of a win-win situation, negotiation. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I think the other point, before we dive into that, the other point is, you know, had we not decided to go pro in real estate and property management three years prior, 
we would have never had that opportunity. No. And so making that decision to build the relationships and it, I guess, you know, when it, when it comes to real estate, it takes time to build up those relationships, five to 10 years. And we're still not fully established in the marketplace, but you know, we're, we're getting there, Absolutely. We're, but it, it just takes time and you just have to stick with it. That's the same for like a property manager and a broker and a contractor. Like as, as you do more for more people, you just get more and more referrals, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, like if you're starting out as a residential broker or a commercial broker or anything like that, like it's five to seven years before you have like an established business. Too. Yeah. So just, just know that it takes time and surrounding yourself with people who are already well-established and getting in their circles, those referrals will start coming and your circle of influence will grow. But back to the negotiation piece, our client wanted to essentially cash out. She wanted to fix up and sell all the properties so that she could drive her motor home wherever she wanted to drive up and down the West Coast. Funny enough, she actually loved Tucson, Arizona. And so we came up with the idea, hey, how about we just solve your problem for you? We will pay you for the next 25 years. Well, you, you just be the bank and you know, we'll, we'll get you, I think we paid her 15 or 20% down and we came well, up with a price for the properties. Well, she, she came to us and she's like, hey, let's fix these up one by one and sell them off. Sell them off, yeah. And, you know, we listened to that. And we're like, sure, sure, we can absolutely help you with that. And then we were like, why don't we buy them all from well, you? I mean, what's, what, what is the crux of your problem? Like, why do you want to do that? Because that, that sort of thing would have taken 18, if there's 14 properties, it takes month and a half to three months for one that would take like three or four years. Like that's a, a ton of time for her. Like why not cut that time? I mean, there's a bunch of decisions that's got to be made and all sorts of stuff. Like she's ready to go off on our motorhome. Like why? Yeah. She was, she was just tired of all of the decisions that she had to make as the asset manager. Yeah. Like, you know, deciding on if it was time to do a roof or to remodel a kitchen. All of the houses were about, you know, nearing 45 or 50 years old. Yep. And well, and she developed them with her husband. That's, that's a, that was the other thing too. Another, they were all free and clear. So kudos to her for keeping them for so long. Well, and she wanted to see that legacy continue, right? Yeah. Like that was another part of the deal that made us attractive as buyers is that we were going to use them as rentals, which is what she had built them with her husband for. And her husband was no longer here. So I think she kind of felt like we were going to continue that legacy. On. Sometimes it's not always money. That's exactly that, my point. Uh, makes yeah. or breaks the deal because you know, she, now she has more money than she knows what to do with to like just driving her motor home up and down the, you know, up and down the West coast. Well, okay. Cool. Should we get to the last four questions or you want to, is there anything else that you want to talk about first? You know, let's just hit the last four questions. All right. What was one piece of advice you would give your 25 year old self? The piece of advice that I would give to my 25 year old self would be to save a portion of your income and invest that in the stock market and forget about it. Just invest it in the total market fund. And 
just pick an amount, whether it's 200 or $300, you know, $500 and just build that habit and let that money grow. That sounds pretty good. What was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Oh, my first entrepreneurial endeavor. Ah. You, can't, you can't say that we were selling lemonade on the side of the street. I already no, talked about that no, last time. No, no. I want to say being a caddy at the Coast Tournament oh, in Astoria. You know, it's kind of being self-employed, but AJ and I both were caddies, and we, we kind of worked our way up as being, you know, some of the, the best caddies out there. We were high school golfers, and we knew how to read the greens, and, you know, whether I was caddying for an 80-year-old lady who hit it about 125 every time, or if I was, you know, caddying for one of the best golfers at the tournament, like I was able to maximize their game and, you know, help them win. So that was a fun little experience. Do you, do you feel that that was kind of rewarding too? Like you were adding value? Yeah, I felt like I was adding value, but I was also getting paid more. The better, the better I did. And I was able to save that. You know, I think we did that for like 10 years. And I had, I had like five or six grand saved up by the time I got to high school. And if I hadn't wrecked my car when I was a junior and dad made me pay for it, I would have had a lot more money. (laughs) Well, speaking of like learning things, how has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? Well, you know, I've always felt like college is just kind of a hoop to jump through. A check? A box to check, yes. You know, like learning how to type in grade school was huge and assisted. Didn't dad used to pay us to type? Oh, yeah. Mario teaches typing. Yeah. I went down so many portholes and (laughs) hopped on so many mushrooms. (laughs) But... Yeah, learning to type, learning Microsoft Excel, you know, just kind of like basic and being really good at math, I think, has really helped kind of like formal training. And then informal training is, you know, EO was an incredible experience, just kind of going through the EO accelerator program and learning. It's kind of like a mini MBA. They really focused on Vern Harnish's Scaling Up and reading that book. And then NARPM has been an absolute incredible informal learning and just tons of books. Like there are Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Reading that in, in college was, was a game changer. And, you know, there's so many guys who've come on that are kind of like our age group and reading about rich dad, poor dad, and just like what the idea of cash flow is. What is good debt? What is bad debt? Mm-hmm. And it's such a powerful book. And once you have that aha moment, it's, you know, the rabbit hole really gets deep. Yeah, really does. What was your Moby Dick of real estate? The one that got away. The Moby Dick. This, you know, is kind of tough because we have closed on just about all of the offers that we've gotten into contract on. We were batting a thousand until actually this last deal, just right before the coronavirus. Yeah. I had a loan fall through on me and I, you know, our lending has been so complicated that, you know, I wasn't a hundred percent in love with the deal. So having the loan not go through, it was fine, but there was an eight plex that 
I think I was out of town. I think it was visiting family in Boise and we got the offer out, you know, probably about two days after it hit the market and somebody had sent, you know, a relatively low ball offer right away, but the listing broker accepted a less than ideal offer immediately. And the properties that he had listed, you know, I think he had in Southwest Portland, two fourplexes for $600,000. And they were, you know, it was great neighborhood, kind of like super close to bridal mile. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, I just sent you an offer for 650 each. (laughs) And he's like, it actually didn't go down like that. For some reason, he didn't choose our offer, even though we had waived our inspection period and, you know, the offer was higher. He just chose an inferior offer and I, I just couldn't get it. Like it blew my mind. And it was because we had sent the offer in second. And that's something that I learned from that is you just want to get your offer out immediately. Just as quickly as, as possible. As speedy as possible. So, well, well, Chris, those are the last questions that, that we have. Thank you for spending the time and excited to, you know, see where the rest of this podcast goes. I think yeah, it's gonna be I a lot of fun. I can't wait. You know, there's so many cool people we want to interview. Yeah. And just so many awesome conversations to have about yeah. investment. It's going to be incredible. And we really didn't think it would be fair to put everyone else through the interview unless we actually did it ourselves and <laughs> knew what it was like. <laughs> well, thank you, AJ. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community for investing knowledge for growth. Please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone you know wants to be on, please go to westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form.